Anxiety, T.S. Eliot once wrote, is the handmaiden of creativity. Well, he's right, but any artist can tell you, right as he may be, it makes for a very uneasy delivery room. I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. Check this out. of my guest today on the program, Gracie Martin. Let me tell you a little bit about Gracie Martin. So, the New York-born Gracie Martin's music is nothing short of revelatory. A dreamy mix of indie folk and hypnotic pop, she brings to mind the work of everyone from Kate Nash to Kate Bush. Martin started writing songs at 11, she started studying classical voice at 13, and she started playing guitar At 15, she got her BFA in acting from the University of the Arts, and she worked extensively in the theater community of Philadelphia. Her 2017 debut EP, Unconscious, revealed an out-of-the-box talent who wrote about the rickety world around us with a hypnotic and poetic steadiness. From there, she put out a string of fabulous singles, did the soundtrack for the Wilma Theater's production of Romeo and Juliet, and now she's back with a new single called Dreams Die, which you just heard. An album is in the works. Live shows could happen, depending on the health of the world out there. And there's more to come from Gracie Martin. The fact is, she's so talented, she could do pretty much anything. And she will. But let's get back to anxiety for a second. It's true that most artists have a familiar relationship with anxiety. And that anxiousness can be about anything. Life, love, money, the actual creative process itself. It can get pretty tense. In this chat, Gracie talks about her own experience with anxiety and the workarounds that it forced her to come up with to deal with it. Look, she's not alone. We all have it in one form or another, and this conversation is about Gracie, but it's also about the rest of us. So, enjoy it. Here's me and Gracie Martin having a chat right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast. Because I've been kind of baseline, low-key, a little anxious about the, um, you know, the pandemic and everything for, for about a year now. <laughs> and, 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 you know, the election and everything. It's just like those, that, those thought cycles of anxiety 
I have gotten tired at this point. Like I'm just, it, you, we're all going through that same like unfinished equation every day of like, Ooh, is it okay to do this? Is it okay to do that? That, oh, oh, maybe I'm going to be able to go and do that thing in a couple months. Well, it's that month now and I'm still not doing it, but you know, in a, in a few more months, a few more months, da, 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 da. And then it's more just like this ongoing fatigue that's kind of just always behind your eyes of like, oh, I've gone through this sort of anxiety cycle so many times at this point that, yeah, it's just kind of like dull feeling. And then, yeah, sometimes it'll pop up and I'll be like, oh God, I'm really upset. Ah, but it'll be like, well, yeah, because we're all upset all the time a little bit, but we're so used to it just kind of being there that it's just like, yeah. I'm mostly just tired. <laughs> yeah, it's like like materializing is just like messed up sleep sleep schedules and feeling feeling tired. <laughs> it also feels that that sort of the impulse is burning itself out because it's mm -hmm. gone on for so long, right? Like it's almost like you know it's it's literally like you've exhausted the capacity to have anxiety about this thing because you mm -hmm. right. Yes, no, it's so true. It really is true. And especially in the past couple of weeks, as I, I was working at a at a business, a small business that was opened for I think about like yeah, seven or eight months over the summer and the fall, right up until the holidays. And there my anxiety and how upset I was got a lot more acute because mm -hmm. I was like seeing people not wearing masks and having to talk to people about how, hey, I don't feel safe in this environment. So that was a lot of, I had a lot of very cathartic, <laughs> outwardly upset moments about that. But yeah, since I've been, and, and I, I quit the job actually because I didn't think it was safe being there. And now that I'm back just at home all the time, it's definitely gone back to that place of like, yeah. Yeah, it's like it's almost very peaceful, but you know, it's like too too peaceful. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a strange time, and it's also um, you know you start to feel okay about things, and then it's sort of like now there's nine different variants, and you're like, wait, what? That's a whole new thing. No, and, and my dad's like kind of always been a bit of a nihilist, and he's still very much like. Well, yeah, and then the next pandemic's gonna happen too. Like he's like, oh, I'm never gonna travel again. But he's like, he's like, oh, whatever. It's just not gonna happen. And I'm like, okay, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's I can sort of see the the um, the reflex to being bleak. Yeah, seems like an easy sure. path. Yeah, it is. Right. It is. Yeah, it definitely is, and. Yeah, I don't know. It's like, I feel very, um, almost like disassociated because it's like, yeah, there is a part of me that is, that does feel very bleak about it. And it's like, yeah, no, even if we do get a handle on, you know, the variants of COVID and stuff, like, yeah, it is true. Our environment is changing, you know, the thing about the viruses melting along with the, the ice caps and that there's just con continually with all of this environmental stuff that's already super existentially terrifying, that that is going to bring more viruses and more pandemics. And this is, even once we get a handle on COVID, we might be seeing more stuff like this, you know, even outside of like climate change stuff that we're gonna, that we know that we're gonna see. So yeah, that's super bleak and super nihilistic. 
but then, you know, at the end of the day, my day-to-day moments are spent, like, you know, with my housemate and, like, the cats, and we're just, like, drinking tea and having cakes and, like, taking care of each other, and, like, you know, it's, like, the local has become so special, (laughs) like, the, the very, very intimate, the very small has become so such a mm, such a sanctuary and such a like wow I have so much gratitude for you know the very small circle of people that I'm around and you know the the small things that I'm able to do inside and the fact that I am inside a house oh my god there's like there's this cat in our neighborhood who's like he's definitely a a a cat that an outdoor cat he doesn't have a home and it's very very cold here right now it's like minus zero degrees and we were just like watching him yesterday and it was like oh god just thinking about you know the fact that I have a house in the first place like you know so it's like going back and forth between these huge things of like yeah no things are really shit they're really bad and they're so good for me like especially in these like just feeling thankful that I have a family and a house and food and things like that are just like, I can't be too nihilistic with that because I am so grateful that I'm in a fortunate position. Yeah. I mean, even to have a housemate is like a kind of a cool thing. Some people are alone, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, to have a housemate, the fact that my family is healthy and that my family is taking it seriously too. Mm -hmm. That is such a huge like, you know, having people close to you in your life who are, are risking their lives and are, because they don't understand or because they don't take it seriously and having that, like, destroy your relationship with them, too, on top of everything. There are just so many people having particularly hard times, like, on top of the hard times that they'd already probably been have, having, you know, pre-pandemic. It's just like, yeah, <laughs> it's a little whiplashy because I'm like, wow, I'm so thankful and oh I'm so scared and I'm so thankful yeah both things are taking up resonance in your in your brain because they're both true um but the interesting thing and the terrifying thing to add another thing into this I'm sure at this point everyone listening is feeling very cheery um (laughs) but the I mean for me the thing I think about for artists is that you have to translate your art into groceries, right? Like, in other words, Mm -hmm. people who are artists, they use their art to survive, to sustain themselves, both creatively and professionally. So if you're an actor, if you're, um, you know, if you're somebody who works in the theater in in any capacity, actually, um, even in terms of tech, uh, you don't have the opportunity to do that anymore right now. Um, Musicians for live performances, those are all on hold. And there, there's something about a Facebook show, which is great because you can figure out ways to do this, but it can't really replace the idea of that sort of visceral immediacy of, of a crowd. So there is a whole layer of you know, worry about the job that you have that you're not able to do. Um, whereas some people go like, for example, I teach college, I can do that from home. Um, somebody who trades stocks, they don't have to be on the floor of the stock market, right? But an artist has to be in front of people. And so that is the biggest hit, I think, to the creative industry. So this is the longest lead up to a question, but (laughs) how do you feel about the idea of 
returning as an artist to a normal life where you can actually be with people and in front of people, um, that must be a huge absence at this point. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely like heartbreaking to an extent. Like for me, I, I, I do feel really, um, really incomplete without that feeling of, I don't know, I've always equated the feeling of performing and live performing, being in a room with people and sharing something really intimate with them. Yeah. Um, like, like performance, I, I, I've always like kind of equated that to the same kind of rush of like, you know, a, an altered state or falling in love or something like, it really is this endorphins rush for me and adrenaline rush and, and this thing that that you know feels really equilibrating when I do it. It just like makes me feel so myself, makes me feel so me. And um, I actually went to college for acting and did a ton of performing on, on that end of things before I started doing music. And um, I started, I put out my first EP in uh, 2017. So that around that time I was really like, you know, I was doing Shakespeare stuff and different plays and stuff. And I was kind of transferring it over into a, an actually much more um, solo, private, collaborative project, uh, practice. Um, and so even before COVID came, I kind of was on this trajectory of like, I was still performing live but the amount of time I was spending actually interfacing in person with other people was going down naturally because I was doing more recording and things where you, there were less people there. The thing about like, yeah, performing in theater and acting and filmmaking too, is that it's so, it's such a huge requirement to like have bodies in the same room with you. And like live music, of course, is amazing because of that. But I think music is a little more forgiving in that you can actually do a lot without having other people there, depending on what your practice is. But for my practice, at least, I was already kind of going in the direction of like, oh, I had a band for a little bit, but now I'm kind of like doing it a little more like a solo project. And so I, I also have this weird comparison to like, yeah, I, I do really miss playing live and doing live shows and everything. And that's still something I still see as this total emotional need of mine that I'm <laughs> really, really wishing that I have. But I also at the same time feel so creative and I'm aware that I have a lot of ways to be creative just here in my parents' house. Because that was something I was already already doing. Like, you know, I, I make my demos by myself and as well. And for this release cycle, I've been doing all my visuals myself too. So I've really felt really, really, you know, still very creative, but without that live connection thing. So it is like definite, really, definitely really, really different. But I do know from looking at other folks I know from my time in theater and people who are in bands, like, you know, I, I was doing pretty much all solo performances before we went um, into COVID, but people who have bandmates that they're used to playing with and stuff, like, I, I get <laughs> really sad for them, for sure. And I, and I see again that I'm in kind of a lucky place where I already was kind of 
regrouping and like decide retooling what I wanted the music project to be and it kind of meant spending a little bit more time on my own doing more solo songwriting things I was already collaborating with people remotely a lot like the different co-producers I'm working with once in uh, Philadelphia once in Dallas the videographer I'm working with is in LA and so that was already a thing that I was doing things remotely and I was visiting them in person and recording with them before the pandemic hit and I'm not doing that now so I definitely miss that and miss you know the energy of being with other people but I also feel um kind of well suited to going to a super solo practice um, kind of also has to do with growing up being homeschooled had a lot of time in this exact house like just doing random creative projects on my own so that does feel very natural for me um but yeah it has also meant that I'm just like I feel kind of the same way about like reopening and getting back to being with people and the rush of performing makes me feel the same way I felt when back when I was homeschooled and I would think about like oh someday I'll just I'll just be at college and I'll just be around the other people and they won't know that I'm homeschooled and we'll just be all together and it was like like I, I had a really hard time transitioning into college life because it was kind of too much like overload it was like sensory overload like so much and I think I'll have a, a hopefully a little better time transitioning back into, you know, non-quarantine life and everything. But I think about it with that same like youthful, like, oh my God, I'll be able to just like see people's faces and like touch that. I like can't think about it any further than just like the euphoria of like, oh, oh my God, that energy of like seeing people and, and you know, sharing music with them live again. Yeah, no, it really, it feels like such a, like, I don't know, such a, such a dream, such a fantasy, really. Yeah, yeah, it, it, I can see that. And I was going to ask you about the idea of having been homeschooled, mm -hmm. going to a college is, that's like going from the quiet into the noise, because, yeah. right, because college life is, I mean, that's quite, talk about whiplash. I mean, that is sort of like, whoa. And I see what you mean. It, 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 it is, again, like a debut that you'll be yeah. making, right, from the quiet back into the noise. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about, because I think it's kind of interesting to talk about the idea of what it was like to go from being homeschooled into college life. And what, why was that transition? I mean, it seems like a lot to ask of somebody yeah. in terms of, right, how, how, how was it easy and how was it hard? So, and I love that idea of a, of a debut because I, I, I definitely internalized that idea for sure. I, I, and it was also, you know, I definitely had a lot of anxiety things I hadn't dealt with too. And that, that makes you always feel like the spotlights are on you and oh God, everybody's looking at you and that's terrible. And I feel like in comparing it to the, you know, hopefully re-debut of everyone with the COVID stuff, it's like, it won't feel like that because we're all re-debuting and that's beautiful and that's wonderful but yeah but but I had I definitely had this big internalized feeling of like aloneness like there is no like I am so weird and my life has been so so unlike 
the school kids and the kids who went to public school that I am just ridiculously weird I need to like I felt like an alien I felt like I needed to study what everyone else did and like stuff but when I had to look at that you know I I went to college in 2010 and I wasn't you know I didn't have a smartphone yet I I was really kind of behind on technology too so I'm looking at like freaking music videos and stuff being like yeah this is normal this is what people are like and Yeah, I don't know. And it was strange. It was like, I think one of the things that was the hardest for me was confronting um, a version of myself that I had come up with from being in a really close um, and kind of strange environment. Like I I always said when I was a teenager, because I did musical theater as well, that I was the uh, loudest homeschooler and the quietest theater kid because <laughs> oh. I just both of those environments just never felt right but they were the things that I had so I was just defining myself against these two things that weren't really quite fits for me and so I I was really eager to um I was really eager to have an identity, find an identity and find a, like a group of people that would really define me and make me feel, you know, the, the kind of thing young people want to do. You want to fit in, you want to belong to something. And, and yeah, but, but I just came up with this recent, I came up with this analogy that I think is kind of silly, but also kind of truthful because I've been on TikTok a lot. And I've been just trying so hard to be like, yes, I'm trying to be cool. I'm trying to have people. <laughs> look at my music and shit and um but when you first get a tiktok and people talk about this you scroll through it and all you see are like teenagers and like aggressively like like (laughs) content that i do not want to (laughs) see like i'm just not interested in most people who are not teenagers are not interested in that comment content and you just have to keep going and keep scrolling and keep finding things that you like and let and interacting with them so it'll get to know you and start suggesting things for you that you'll like and I was thinking about that and I was like man your freshman year of college really is especially for me really is that year of you know the new TikTok feed and you were just seeing a bunch of stuff that is just popular it's just it's just what is most easily accessible to you the people that you're resonating with your first week at freshman year you know, might seem like, oh, they're so cool. They're so great. But it's like, you know, those are those initial things that you're swiping through that you're just kind of like getting a taste for. And then, you know, some things might be like, oh, I think I like this. And then you'll be like, wait, no, I don't like that at all. You know, and it just takes a long time to just continue to experience new things and like realize what things you actually like. Cause you don't know what's out there. Like, you know, it's all, it's all overwhelming. And so it definitely like oh god I don't know it was it was a really hard time for me because of other things that were going on as well but in general it really did feel like like those first two years of being in Philly definitely have a lot of like ego death moments like a lot of um you know, going towards things that seemed like, you know, from, from the media I'd seen and from different ideas about like, 
what young adulthood was that I just sort of gravitated towards these people or these scenes or activities and um, eventually was like looking around my life like oh my god like like I look back on those years and it really is like who the hell is that person and I came to the realization you know that like everybody has that experience if you went right. to public school or if you didn't go like it's a very universal experience to have that and like I kind of came, came got to peace with the feeling of like yes I'm not normal I didn't have the upbringing that like all these people around me did either but like people don't have a unified experience just because I have something different doesn't mean that everyone else around me doesn't have something different from each other and that doesn't mean that like I'm alone and I will never be understood by anybody like that's just not true and that's kind of a form of like narcissism to be like oh like I'm so messed up or I'm so weird that no one will ever understand me and it's just like well yeah of course they won't because you're t constantly telling everybody that no one will understand you instead of right. just right. trying to like get to know people and stuff yeah so it's just definitely a lot of like I I always <laughs> I also always say that like I had high school for like like you have can have breakfast for dinner I had high school for college like a lot of the like social things that I kind of was working through in college were things that people realize in middle school and high school like you know you, you gotta get messy you gotta bump up against people and fight with them and like blah, it's like the puppy pile you gotta just like kind of rough around and then realize like oh you don't talk to people like that or you don't say things like that and right. oh when people are like this you don't want to be friends with them and most people like you know get a lot more experience for that and so it's the social socialization which is a big you know word that's always been in my life since I was homeschooled how will you be socialized the socialization the socialization and it's like yeah I, I had always had friends growing up but I had a very small small friend group and like toxic dynamics still happen and everything and blah 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 but just like you know you just have less people to kind of bump up against and like get that idea for what being in an environment like that is so yeah I don't know it's like I don't even know how to like wrap it up that well it's just kind of like I'm still kind of yeah I'm still kind of like grappling with the fact that like yeah that was that was weird <laughs> yeah and I mean and I went from public school to mm -hmm. private college mm. and I can tell you I never felt comfortable yeah, yeah. never I, I mean for me college was uh, incredibly unsatisfying and mm. um, four years of feeling like I just didn't belong and you know I mean incredibly extroverted I think you and I both are very extroverted in that yeah. in that way and very performative where yeah, yeah. if there's a room of people I can I can turn it on but I didn't ever feel like I belonged in college. Yeah. I didn't, um, and I lived at home. I didn't, I didn't live on the campus till my final year. And even looking back now, I, I think living on the campus would have made it worse, mm. you know? Mm. So, it, and then I started thinking about, well, have I ever felt like I've belonged anywhere in my life? Mm. Yeah. And I'm not really sure that I have an answer for that. Like yeah. me sitting here talking to you, I feel like I belong in, this is what I'm, meant to do mm. um but i don't know if i've ever felt comfortable in my life i think even when i've been accepted i've yeah. been suspicious of that, of that acceptance yeah that's that's a really good point 
because like when I feel like acceptance and belonging is one of those qualities like like balance that humans we have to fixate on that we have to like need them we have to want them because they're like you know survival instincts but we'll never get them like you just you'll never have the right balance of work and life you'll never have the right balance in your relationships you'll never like feel totally at peace and belonging and accepted in anywhere without the little like whatever because life is just chaotic and everything yeah and yeah we just and we just it's like the sisyphean like tasks that we have to continually try to balance our lives and to feel accepted when we just never will but it's not about if we ever will it's about we always have to keep going towards that yeah and it's not a permanent state you know so yeah. even when you put the car into neutral you're still dealing with the road around you, right? So there's mm -hmm. still, chaos is still happening around you, yeah. even though you might slow the car down for one second and, and put it in neutral. Yeah. Um, and I think that, that life is that way where happiness, acceptance, satisfaction, um, those are all not permanent states. And I yeah. think if I meet people and they go, I don't know, I'm just a really happy person. Like, I want to go the other way. <laughs> I know, you know, I'm you like... Can't, you can't yeah. just be a happy person, right? Like, yeah. that's not... That's not an accurate representation of, of human life. And so when someone tells you that, that, you know, it's like, I'm just happy all the time. It's like, I think you're insane that you must be. Yeah. Yeah. You can't. <laughs> um, I, was like, I think you're, I think you're really not actually. <laughs> right, <laughs> I think you're right. hurting. <laughs> what you're telling me is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but what about, but here's the thing, but in creative endeavors, mm -hmm. right. Um, that's where I feel the most at home in the creative life, yeah. whether I'm writing, when I did plays in college, when I uh, am talking to you. When you are being creative, do you feel that it's almost like putting on the superhero costume? Like you feel more of yourself or at least more accurately yourself than when you're just a civilian? <laughs> yeah. No, I definitely do. I mean, it's, it's always felt like this secret identity especially making music like I, I had this feeling a lot when I was in college and I was doing this thing that didn't involve singing at all and like that was my my big secret for a really long time and I would like I would take voice lessons and people would hear me in the hall and they'd be like who is that girl and then I would come out and they'd be like Gracie that was you and like that was really cool and I liked it but it was also like you know it, and it was scary because I was not acknowledging a part of myself in in life I was kind of like putting it putting it away and like the year that I really put my music out and finally like showed myself in this really like intimate way to the world it was absolutely amazing and one of the most empowering moments of my creative life but it was also like I had a really difficult like mental health period around that time I had kind of like a manic spell where I just, I felt like, I, I felt like I had performance anxiety all the time. Like I felt like I was about to puke from like performance anxiety every single second of the day. And so it was this weird, like, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. And the responsibility was, oh yeah, if I want to actually go to this euphoric place of like, making these these children these song children and like allowing them to go into the world 
I need to really, really, really take care of the place where those things are born and the, my mind and everything, because I, I don't think I, I can't handle it. <laughs> like it is so, it's so amazing. It's like, you know, it's like, um, like I said before, like the drug thing, it's, it is kind of like a, a high. It's, it's such a huge in, endorphins thing. And it has so much to do with your sense of self and your ego and your unconscious mind that like, I don't, I, yeah, it was, it was amazing. And it, and it was, it was like difficult, but like moving forward from that, it's like, but you know, actually like it, it was really difficult and everything, but it's like, I've always been very, very aware that the solution to that was not going backwards. It was not retreating and bringing everything back in and never putting music out ever again. That that was like choosing death. <laughs> and then the scary thing was choosing life and choosing to continue to risk and to put put myself out there like that and to do what I needed to do to keep myself healthy in that process. And yeah, I felt, I totally feel you. It like really was like, this is exactly what you should be doing. But like, you know, if like, this is your thing that you could pick it and it could kill you if you want. And it's like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, maybe someday, like when I'm really old, like sure, but let's keep going for now. Like I totally get why musicians burn out and why artists burn out, like, and don't make it because it's, it's like, it's, it's this like, ooh, did you ever see the lighthouse? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's a freaking light. Oh my God. It's like yeah. something that you're just so, oh, you're so enamored with and that you can't, it's like your soul. And, and you, if you come in contact with it and it really blows, you know, it's just, it could destroy you and it could totally like make you waste away forever. And it's like, yeah, but, but I do, I do like feel so much like myself. And I, and I also like, I think my, my stuff earlier in life about like, oh, I'm this weird person. I'm so alone and nobody is like me is because I was afraid to know myself. And I, and I wasn't, I wasn't ready to accept that what my real identity was and that I needed to make music and I needed to show people you know, even more stuff about myself that I didn't even know yet at this point in my life. I was certainly just afraid of that. And I was afraid of knowing myself and having other people know me and see me and like be putting out my music in a big way was just like, yeah, it was like accepting who I am, but who, who I, my identity, but it's, it's really, it's really tricky. You were sleeping off the last one when you said you loved me. Didn't even wake up, couldn't remember in the morning. Had it all been a dream, oh baby, I was wide Must be funny in that dream Oh baby, I've been waiting for you just to love me in the day
for me real sweet Like a dog with anyone who's got a treat two things that you said that I really want to sort of focus on. One is that it's almost like the bridge that you're crossing is crumbling behind you and you can't turn back. There's no turning back. You have to keep going forward, which is in some ways scary and in some ways very encouraging um, that you have that realization is important. Um, and two, the idea of having a, when you were sort of feeling like a perma anxiety about mm. performance even when yeah. you weren't performing so every second of the day you were carrying around this anxiety of like i'm about to lose it mm. um yeah how was that how was that something that you were able to conquer because that that seems mm. like it must have been incredibly imposing on yes. regular life yes 
<laughs> it was. Right. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was working as a waiter in Philly at the time and I had to like get people to cover my shifts and stuff. Like I, I could not work. I couldn't do anything. And um, yeah, it was, it was really hard to get over. Um, and I think the thing for me, it wasn't, it wasn't a fear of, oh, I'm going to put this out into the world and the reaction to it is disappointing. That wasn't, that wasn't it. It was that the internal process that I had of writing the songs and what was going on for myself internally with that had become so important to my emotional equilibrium that I felt like I didn't have that process anymore as a private thing. And that if I was even just going to sit down and like do some journaling, I was thinking like, oh, maybe this will turn into a good song that I can show people. And I didn't have that inner piece of like, I'm just here writing about whatever, free writing, and nobody's watching me. It's like, you know, there's this thing in auditions where they'll be like, hey, everybody, just like do some free movement and just, you know, nobody's watching you. We're just seeing who you really are. But it's like, in the back of my mind, I'm like, yeah, but I want my free expressive movement to be the best of anybody's and to look better than anybody else's <laughs> and to impress people and get yeah. the part. But it's like, I don't want that. I, I want to actually be expressing myself and just allowing myself to be whatever on my own. But because Instagram and all of this stuff had come into that, I was just kind of like, ah, I, I don't know who I am when I'm by myself now. I, I have no, no idea who this person is. And that was the thing that was really like, made me, made me, okay. <laughs> well, it did, it made me think that I was physically sick, that I just was like, I had like a virus or something and something was going on with me. And I went to my doctor and she was like, I think, you know, maybe, maybe we try out like an SSRI or, you know, <laughs> we do, we do this. And so that was the start of my journey to like actually, um, seeking treatment for like anxiety and uh depression and stuff like that so that was really the thing that helped me get to a different place in that respect it was addressing a much larger problem that mm. had become super acute because of the music stuff and it and you know and i think the music stuff it was like it was revealing this other thing to myself it's like no girl like you're not just like this overly emotional artisty person who has all these feelings and blah 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 like it's not that like you you have an anxiety disorder and you're a really creative person and when you get a little bit of more of a hold on your anxiety you're gonna be able to do even more like you're gonna be able to be yourself even more expressively and it's gonna be great and so that was that was a really big like self-discovery moment of like oh I can actually like empower myself through like taking care of myself and like taking care of my mental health and and that taking care of my mental health is the price of admission for continuing as a musician and likewise continuing as a human because I was like what eventually made me like put my music out is I was like I'm more scared of me in 30 years think, thinking back about oh I never put my music out than I am of like whatever happens after I put my music out and so then it became, well, I'm much more scared about not taking care of my mental health and whatever happens to me because of that, rather than, you know, the scary things of trying out a, a medication or therapist or whatever like that. So it became these just, yeah, totally the crumbling bridge behind me. 
and it felt super like, oh God, my heart, oh, I'm dying, oh. Yeah. But it's like, and I was dying a little bit, you know, that old version of me was like dying and I needed, needed to put my music out and not be able to handle it and think I was sick and go to the doctor and then be like, well, you know, I am a little sick and I've always been a little sick and yeah, I can get some help for that. So that was definitely like, I, you know, I talk about it in the stuff around dreams die because that song is dealing with that moment partially and um in the kind of um <laughs> like the little docu-series that i've made around it that i'm going to be putting out after the song comes out i was trying to talk about that with the videographer and and we end up talking about it in a more like um kind of abstracted way because it's like it's hard to be like yeah i had kind of a mental breakdown a little bit like it's hard to just be like yes this was a like mental health crisis moment for me where it's like I needed to really change some whatever I was doing <laughs> in my brain right. because of this thing but I think it's important to talk about because it's like so it's like so much stuff so many tragedies you look back on in history you look at you look a little harder and it's like oh no, it's just mental health again. It's just capitalism again. <laughs> like, it's just yeah. that we didn't, someone wasn't able to take care of themselves in that way. So yeah, that was, that's, I mean, a lot of other things happened too, but the biggest thing was definitely like, I need to take care of myself and my mental health. Yeah, and I, and I think that, I mean, not to turn it into a PSA, but I do oh, think yeah, that anybody mind. at home listening who feels the way that you feel is loving what you're saying because even someone who doesn't even realize they feel that way, um, because what you're saying is something that I know that it, at the time when it was at its most acute, it probably felt like you were the only person in the world, mm. right? This is like my own yeah. private hell and everyone else is having a great life. I yes. can guarantee you that's not true. Yeah. And you know, you are, you are in such good company because I think so many people um, have similar, you know, versions of what you went through, and um, and maybe they don't, they don't have the language to explain it yet, or maybe they don't have the understanding of it. But I think what you said is so helpful to people who have gone through it, or are going through it, or are about to go through it. So I'm glad that we're addressing it because I think I think yeah. it's really a vital thing to get out there. Yeah, I agree, and like that was even I, I even talk about like that that time period when I when I had everything get really acute and and I you know I had anxiety attacks at work I like you know I, you know if according to my former self embarrassed myself at work but I'm not embarrassed by what happened now because you know it's like oh I did these things people noticed I was struggling and I came back in I remember the the bartender at the time he said this thing to me and he was like I noticed you were like really not doing well and that's like my worst fear in the past of like oh someone's noticing that I'm a wreck or whatever and I was just like, yeah, you know, and I went to the doctor and I'm going to do this and I'm going to take some, you know, whatever SSRI. And he was like, welcome to the club. And he told me about his anxiety attack. He'd had other servers were telling me the same thing. And that was almost like on par with like therapy and, uh, you know, the right medication, knowing that I wasn't alone and just starting to be able to talk to people about it who had experienced the same thing that was just as therapeutic and just not having it be this horrible secret that you're so afraid to be to show this weakness to other people like that that was healing as well so yeah i really hope anybody listening to this is like 
able to maybe, you know, track something that's been bothering them or, you know, anything that, to just feel a little like not a total island in the anxiety sea because you know what? It's hard. <laughs> it's really yeah. hard. And, and those who are on the anxiety team, yeah. It's a, team. it's a really big team. There's a it's lot a of people. That's a huge team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh I mean, feeling anxious, having anxiety, having self doubt, not feeling understood, all of that stuff is incredibly universal and common. And mm -hmm. I think putting words to it and making and giving it a voice and, give, and, and giving it some understanding through dialogue, through talking about it. My students, um, you know, at, when I, where I teach at, at the school where I teach is, you know, they have now, when I, in terms of teaching them how to write, it's like freshman college writing. And I always have to tell them in the first couple of weeks, like, you know, you should feel comfortable talking about yourself because in high school, you're taught not to write with the eye, not to write in the first mm. person. And as soon as we knock down that sort of barrier of, okay, you can write from the first person. The, usually the first place they go is to write about their anxiety. I mean, mm. it's, and, and you can tell they've been wanting yeah. to write about it for a long time. They felt they couldn't even, they weren't even allowed to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so now, now when they're given the chance, like, oh, I can actually do this. And when I assure yeah. them, like, listen, when you write to me, you write paper for me, yeah. I'm not sharing it with other people. This is between you and I then they really open up and it turns out people have been wanting to write about this stuff for so long. And yeah. I'm not saying that, that I'm like this, you know, revelatory <laughs> person who's teaching people. That's not what's happening, but I'm at least saying you're allowed yeah. to talk about yourself and talk about these things that you're feeling. Yeah. One hearing stuff like that, like definitely makes me like really identify with, you know, like my mom when she decided to homeschool us and stuff, because it is so true that like being in public school is like, I, like I can, I commend anyone who made it through public school without like developing a really horrible anxiety disorder. Cause it's just like, it's such a energetically like poisonous environment sometimes like yeah. schools and and public classrooms and situations where you're supposed to be able to learn who you are but no you're like constantly thinking about other things and thinking about how people are seeing you and weird social dynamics and stuff like ugh, I'm I mean I you know had the same thing but in a different way you know not being homeschooled I think that's also just like you know, getting through your, your adolescence is just like a total minefield of like really hazardous um, mental states that you can possibly go into and that you're yeah. super su susceptible to that like people who are teenage to early 20s are, oh my God, I would never want to redo that time ever. It's no. so hard. It is so hard to just be like, experiencing those things with the way that your brain is developing and well i mean there's that great patty griffin song where she says i hated every day of high school it's funny and she says i think like funny i bet you did too you know yeah, yeah, she's telling yeah. a very specific story but it's like it's always really weird to me how people fetishize high school and yeah. kind of like have these sort of like facebook groups and reunion yeah. groups and um, even Hollywood oh my god every yeah. freaking show and movies about high school 
Oh my God. I mean, it's like a monument to high school. Yeah. And it's really- Well, it's because it's because everyone's traumatized. <laughs> like everyone who's making the movies is traumatized from high school. Right. And like, it's so weird. And I saw something recently that was like, it was a criticism on like um, different like teen shows and that they were being like, we, all of these teen shows are, they're like doing things that usually college students do. Like most of the things that are going on on these yeah. high school shows are college age things, but pe- no one wants to see a show about people in college. And it's like, That's why is that? I know it's like, it, yeah, it's true. Cause you never see it. But like, I guess I don't understand that cause I didn't go to high school and I don't have the same high school fetish and like trauma around high school. Um, my, cause I had college for high school for college. And so that's my thing. And like, I will always be like thinking about my college years and stuff because they were traumatic. And I guess that's what most people like, you know, my favorite show of all time is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And like the reason why it's so like genius is because the initial conceit is like high school is hell. And so it's like all of the things that we can all, that most people can like, you know, and me too, because I love the show too, can like, um, all come together and be afraid of the same trauma that so many people have been traumatized by, which is high school, but then it gets like turned into monsters and demons and stuff like that. And so it's like, I guess so. I guess it's just like, that's what we're all like collectively traumatized by. Yeah. But it's weird. Yeah. Well, cause college movies are centered around two things, either they're Van Wilder or it's all about partying, yeah. a college movie <laughs> yeah. about partying, or it's a college movie about murder. Oh wow! Wait, right, like, 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 uh, like slashers, like, like yeah. Christmas yeah. And stuff. Yeah, like exactly, right? Yeah. Like somebody's yeah. on the campus killing people, yeah. uh, <laughs> right? Or somebody's on the campus, uh, you know, uh, partying. It's 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 too extreme. It's either yeah. partying or murder. Um, yeah. that seems to be the sort of the fetishized, uh, yeah. in, well, pleasure in and punishment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Using college as a location for mm. a movie, it's either an occasion for murder or for hedonism wow yeah no i guess that makes sense because it's like it's like getting to know yourself and like the the extremes of adult behavior of like it's all about death or sex or drugs or alcohol or whatever yeah i guess that makes sense i don't know what 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 are we talking about before we got into the (laughs) high school and college (laughs) (laughs) but one thing i will say is i say that you and this is this is sort of like the beauty of having to go over that bridge that's crumbling is that when i look at your work and i and i i I can't wait for people to see the things that you do um and i hear your songs i hear somebody who is and i see somebody who is so confident and so in her skin comfortable Mm -hmm. with who she is as an artist and what her voice is doing and what she's doing visually that I find your work to be so fully realized where I go like, like you're out of the box, you know what, who you are and what you're doing. And there's such a confidence and a sure footedness in your work that is the the longest compliment ever. I just love (laughs) what you do both visually and sonically. And it seems to me like there's never a doubt about who you are and what you're trying to execute. Wow. (laughs) Well, thank you. That's so, so nice to hear. So, so kind. Um, yeah, I mean, there there is doubt. There, oh, I have such doubts. <laughs> Not so Meryl Streep at all here, but I do have such doubts. 
Um, yeah, no, I, I mean, it's, yeah, it's really hard to say because it's like, I, um, I think, oh God, yeah, no, I mean, it, it's, it's lovely to hear that it, it does feel so sure-footed, um, and it's like, you know, partially on purpose and partially by accident. I'm always kind of looking for, um, I'm definitely always kind of looking for ways to continue to like reuse things and bring things back together to like kind of make everything work together and, and move um, kind of cohesively. And I also think, I, I mean, I, definitely a lot of stuff comes back to like my background in theater and stuff and kind of um, doing, do, lay, having your like best laid plans and like definitely laying down the tracks and, and, and like thinking about everything really hard, but also accepting the fact that in the moment, like shit comes up and you just have to kind of roll with the punches and yeah. you have to be equally available to do both. Um, especially when you're independent and you're like, I mean, for everything, if you're on a label, you have to do this too, but like definitely, especially if you're independent, you need to be super scrappy and able to just kind of make, make things work. And it's like, I, I think about the way that I used to prepare for like auditions and things like that. There's like two different sides of your like mind that you want to be able to use. And one of it is like all the preparation work. And that's like, I need to make sure all these lines are memorized. I need to know X, Y, and Z about what, what I'm doing in this performance. But it's really bad if you walk in there and you're super rigid and you're like, oh, I'm gonna do it just the way that I said I was gonna do it. Right. You gotta you gotta be loosey goosey once you get into the room and able to like stick to the things you think are really important, but then let things go once once they're not serving you as much anymore. And I I don't think I'm like doing that super purposefully um, in my music practice, but I think that it is a version of that of like. Oh, I mean, yeah, Dream Side is a great example because I finished making this song in 2019 is like when the, the master was like ready to be mastered and everything. So it's like, it's been in the vault for a little bit. It's yeah. like, it's, yeah. it's been sitting there and, and I didn't feel super confident. No, I, no, I was, I was feeling pretty confident about how I wanted to release it. I wanted to release it in 2020. And then, you know, 2020 happened and 2020 was different than what I'd expected. And I was planning on uh, moving to LA and like, I was going to visit LA and shoot the video there and do all this stuff. And it's just like, you know, I had to change all the plans and I, I changed uh, what the cover art was going to look like and stuff, but it took a long time and it took kind of, giving up on it and being like, I don't even want to release music in 2020. I was going to release all this stuff. I just don't feel like it. It doesn't, see, it doesn't feel like the right thing. And kind of trusting my intuition and feelings about that. And, and then kind of rediscovering what my entry point to the song was because I wrote it from a really specific place of like, I'm here touring around the country doing all this stuff for my music and it's not like what I dreamed about but it's kind of better like my dream of what it is died but I'm living the reality now which is not the dream because it's reality by definition 
and it's like you know not glamorous but like me 10 years ago who was afraid to even show people my music is like this that is the dream country you did it and that's kind of what I was thinking about beforehand but then quarantine happened and it's like I'm not traveling around the country doing all this stuff I'm still in the exact same literal physical place that me 10 years ago was but still I am living the dream come true of being able to share this part of myself. Right. Like even in the exact same bedroom, even in the exact same house, all of that, I still have changed so much. And so it's kind of even gone in this little journey back around to this really, really kind of full circle place by this challenge of being like in my childhood homeschool home again because see like when I used to live here before I went to college I had so, I was so like oh my goodness when I finally am free and can be with the other children and stuff like I was so dramatic and now I'm like back and I'm just like oh when I can be free and be with the other children again I feel the same way but I also yeah. feel so so unbelievably different than than how I was back then and it's like yeah, I, I like, I feel like I'm still even catching up to how I visually see this and everything. And so, and so that then after just kind of allowing the reality to sink in and actually like being where I am and being grateful with it and not trying to pretend like it's something else. Um, that's where I was able to kind of really be like, you know what, I really have a release idea for this song. I want to use all the little fun little toys and trinkets that I have in this house for my childhood. I, you know, I, I want to make, I want to commission a cover art that feels like my childhood room and my adolescent room, my dorm room, but it's also an enchanted forest, you know, and it was just like, from accepting where I am and allowing that, like, freeness of like, yeah, it's no, fuck what I said before, it's not going to be, <laughs> it's not going to be like what I thought it was going to be, it's going to be something else, and then just like trusting that it was easier to like make the plans and like make things that I can kind of put like, you know, put out there and, and do it. But, you know, it's also, I, I mean, a big reason why I can, you know, experiment and try out a lot of different things is because I do have like the time and the resources and, you know, just a place and, and because I am just like, sitting around thinking about like, oh, that would be a cool outfit for a music video or like, right. oh, what if I just filmed inside of the dollhouse or whatever. You know, I, 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 I do like, you know, think about weird things like that because I have time to. How much do you love Gracie Martin? Isn't she the best? We kept going, too. The conversation didn't end there. We kept talking. We talked about Dua Lipa. We talked about Johnny Depp. We talked about Amy Winehouse. We just, uh, we covered it all. And uh, maybe I'll play you some of that one day. She'll be back. We'll bring her back on the show. She's, uh, she's unbelievable. The world needs to hear Gracie Martin. What a voice. What a talent. She's got it all. The whole package. Everything's there. She's just ready to detonate. So uh, get ready for Gracie Martin world 
get yourself healed world get that pandemic out of your out of your system and uh let's get gracie martin in a town near you in the meantime graciemartinmusic.com will do the trick pay her a visit see what's going on with her because there's always updates with gracie martin uh, alexgreenonline.com is where you need to go to find out what's happening with me. Um, you can also go to bombshellradio.com to find out what's happening with our radio station. You can follow me on Twitter at Embers Editor. You can follow me on Instagram at Embers Podcast, or you can just email me editor at stereoembersmagazine.com. Stereo Embers, the podcast, is available on all podcast platforms. Go to the one that you use, subscribe. Tell a friend, leave us a rating, maybe a comment or two. Uh, we do read these things, by the way. That sounds like a lot of work, but you and I both know that whole uh, little little uh, list of things I gave you just now takes about, what, four seconds? All right, that's all I'm saying. Four seconds, and you can help our self-esteem. No pressure. Let's close the show with a fuller listen to Gracie Martin's new single, Dreams Die. Enjoy it. And thank you, as always, for listening. I'll see you next time right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast only right here on Bombshell Radio. I've been entranced in my dream, waiting for the train in my sleep. And I don't know where it's going. No one's got the plans, nobody holding
dirty. 